Has it fallen out? I put it in the wrong USB port. <laughs> That's fine. Testing, testing. One, two, three. Hooray! Okay. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> That's a lovely start. Thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> Uh, good. I'm glad you've mastered technology in that way. It's an unusual sound check. <laughs> ah, I'm miserable. I'm yes. miserable. I got a cold. Listen, I'm not one of these people that goes around saying I've got a flu and I've got a cold. I think in general, nobody gets the attention and love they deserve when they've got a cold. Because colds are just miserable. Mm. They just are. And they go mm. on forever. Well, this one is. And I'm fed up. Thank you. We can now carry on. Good. Well, welcome, everybody, to episode 93. Yeah, 93. Of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. Uh, my name's Nick Page and over there is Joe Davis with a cold. Hello. And um, yes... Good. Well, well, here we are. It's going to be quite a short one, I think, this one, because there's a lot going on in our lives. There is. For uh, a number of yeah. reasons. Anyway, uh, but how's your week been? Uh, we, do you know, it's it's been, I mean, it's been lovely. It's been overshadowed by, you know, just having this very persistent little virus, which is just mm. annoying me. But lovely to be with the family at the weekend, celebrating Sophie's birthday. My goddaughter. Yeah, my newly she, acquired goddaughter. She loved the text from you, by the way. Great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we were in Winchester. Hey, we went to a church I just thought was so Nick Page. It's called mm. Swithens upon Kingsgate, and you go up the stairs. Have you been there? Yes. Do you know it? Yes, I do you know. It's a tiny little church above the gatehouse, kind yes, of. Yes, exactly. The gate. Yeah. I knew yeah, you would have been beautiful. there because it was near a bookshop. But yes, <laughs> Winchester has some good bookshops. Yeah, but it's a it's a lovely little church. I love that. I, I really yeah. always love tiny little old churches. I, That's me too. what I yeah. absolutely adore. My yeah, favourite cathedral, for example, is Southwark Cathedral in London, oh, right. which is yeah. which is it's very small. It's really a, yeah. it's really quite a large sort of parish church. It got upgraded, but it just has a oh, just have a great feel to it. So yeah, yeah. I love all that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was it. Went to see the good liar. You know, good. Well, that's Sophie you're you're talking about. No, 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 not Sophie. If she is a good liar, she's very good. But (laughs) (laughs) that's the the Helen Mirren and Ian McKellen. Yeah, it is. It's good. You know, on the subject of lying. Mm. And here's the thing, you know, with our kids. I mean, we. I don't think we were the strictest parents in the world. I mean, we had that whole you know Christian thing going on, but we were no. you know, Frank Dobson or whatever his name was. I said, no, what was his name? Who was uh, the one who was James. Like, James. James Dobson. Dobson. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Destroy your children. Yes. Love the spirit or whatever it was. <laughs> um, I can't remember now, but uh, yes. something <laughs> we like that. that. But we always came down heavily on the lying thing. Mm. Consequently, they aren't very good liars now uh yeah. that was it you could get away you always you know you, you always got away with things if you owned up to them but yes. like what a world we live in now where lying is like positively praised i mean talking about the political world now um not so much family life uh but in the political <laughs> world you know it's like say whatever you like we can just yes, say it doesn't, it yeah. doesn't even seem to be bothered about does it it's yeah, like just... people don't even expect it. maybe Maybe for so long they've suspected politicians of not 
telling the truth, but you couldn't really say yes. so. That now politicians have just come out barefacedly and gone, no, yeah. I'm going to tell. I promise you five hundred million pounds a day each plus a unicorn if yeah, you exactly. vote for me. And we yeah. Were like, oh, okay, yeah, oh, okay, yeah. yeah, okay. And then afterwards they went, oh yeah, I misspoke. Yes, you know, yes. I didn't lie. I yes. just misspoke. Oh, oh yes, okay. Oh, but that's I all right that. then. I misspoke. <laughs> Anyway, enough. There we go. How are you? What's going on? I am a dreadful, really. I'm not very oh, good. Yeah, um, sorry about that, mate. No, well, I was. Yeah, I took a friend to hospital last night. He had a, and it transpires he's had a, um, uh, a hemorrhage, brain hemorrhage. Oh, so we're not sure really what the prognosis for that is. It's not very good. So right. um, if you are of a praying kind, yeah, uh, I think your prayers for Steve would be really appreciated. Um, yeah. One of my really closest friends. The guy I went on pilgrimage with. Yes, um, indeed. Oh, uh, mate, I am so sorry. That's heavy and... Yeah, Yeah. well, I, didn't, I don't know what to say, really. Uh, and I don't know what to do. And, I, and, I, and I, I don't... I think, it. you know, there's all these things happening in me that, you know, like it's the, the subjects yeah. we've been talking about. I can feel myself getting emotional yeah. now. You know, the yeah, subject yeah. we've been talking about. But I, I, I don't think it's going to help if I just sit here and... No, I, I, you know, I'm almost beyond praying at the moment. I'm just sort of no. whimpering. Well, do you know, it's okay to God. Yeah, no, it's okay. That's okay. So, listen, listeners, take us as you find us. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> this week, and um, I should warn you, we have some wonderful uh, emails uh, coming up. This is essentially a feedback episode, um, but we are going to be talking about some pretty gutsy things. So, if you mm. if you're in a place where you don't think you can handle it, switch off now. <laughs> I mean, that's okay, always I'm a good going. idea. <laughs> <laughs> See you then. Oh, uh, mate. Okay. No one ever told me doing a podcast was going to be this difficult. Anyway, let's, know, yeah, no, it's, it's strange, good. It? But hasn't it been extraordinary? I mean, oh, the, uh, yeah. the privilege we have felt going through some of these yeah. emails has been great. So we'll start light and uh, move on. Good. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let's. can I start with one from Peter? The, you go for it, mate. OK, uh, Peter says this. Hi, Joe and Nick. Thanks for episode 88. So we're going back a bit first. And he says, whilst I agree with your view that we need to accept our differences and always respond with love and grace, there is something I'd like to add to your discussion. As somebody working in the field of adult development, I'm sad to say that I see how rigid adherence to conventional evangelical beliefs often holds back human growth and flourishing. I may not be popular for saying this, but I really have to. I can't be neutral. When my continued membership of my tribe requires me to hold the party line and to disown or sideline the inevitable doubts, confusions and contradictions that my real world experience throws up, my development to maturity is held back and my capacity to unconditionally love the world in all its messiness is constrained. More than ever before, the world needs Christians who can who can transcend and include their earlier stages of faith, not rejecting them, but going beyond them. Surely our vision is to move from mid-faith crisis being some quirky thing for a few weird folks to a natural stage of development that is encouraged and nurtured in the church. You can see that for this to happen will require willingness to relinquish some control by those in positions of power. This is unlikely to go down well. Yeah, thank you for Peter. You, Peter, you've echoed some of my own thoughts there. Uh, not to criticise and be down, but I love that phrase, transcend and include. Mm. You know, mm. often we react against our 
people whose beliefs are different to us because they're the beliefs we used to believe and we're a bit afraid of them or embarrassed of them. But actually, somehow we need to integrate that all in and then and learn to be patient with ourselves as we transcend through or transition through and patient with others who aren't at the same stage of us. So I appreciate the email. No, I think the only um, sort of nuance I'd put on that is I don't think it's, you know, we should single evangelical beliefs out no, for this. No, no, you're say, right. You yeah. know, rigid adherence to any sort of conventional beliefs that, you know, it could be Catholic, it could be, you know, ultra orthodox, it could be all kinds of things. Um, uh it could be liberal, you know. It, it, yeah, it, absolutely. I think that unwillingness to hear the opposition, or, or unwillingness to move, even though you, you know, you, you know, in your heart things are different. I think yeah. that's bad for anyone. So I wouldn't necessarily. We, we're always a bit harder, I think, on the tradition from which we come. Yeah. You know, because that's the one yeah. that we're, like you say, we're kicking against, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, uh, you know, that's that's my only point. But, but yeah, the right way know, to critique tribalism—that's the yes. thing. You don't want yeah. tribalism, do you? It's pointless. No, not really. But the right way to critique our own tradition is with love, always. Yeah. I think, and Absolutely. that's the point. And you know, if you're if you're a raving loony lefty like me, the, always the supreme danger is that we get self-righteous and uh, so up ourselves with anger at somebody else that we're. You know, we're, we're mm. equally missing the point of it mm. all. It's mm. it's love, man. That's where and it's it at. can happen with anything. I, I was yeah. reading a book recently on atheists. It's a very it, interesting book called Atheists, the Evolution of the Species. Okay. I thoroughly recommend it because what's yeah. interesting about it, I know you've talked about this a lot, you know, about yeah. taking what you call a more atheistic view of God, as it were, you know, yeah. to get rid of some of the... A lot of the early atheists were... You know, thoroughly orthodox Christians, really. They were just asking tricky questions. Yeah, exactly. And in fact, a surprising amount of atheists haven't really been atheists at all. They've been theists. Yes. They believed in a god or a higher power. They just... You know. So it's... But, but equally, you can have it within there. You can have this kind of ultra-conservative oh, yeah. atheism that refuses to engage with anything else and that just ridicules and uh, doesn't actually... Um, engage with the strongest arguments or the best aspect oh, yeah, of exactly. the, a, a the friend, other tradition. A friend of mine put up a post. He went to see Eddie Izzard. Who doesn't love Eddie Izzard? But Izzard, was, he, he was just commenting on how disappointed he was with it, really, and the, a, the quality of the evening, which is upsetting, but B, also this massive rant on God, which we know Eddie Izzard does, yeah. but just but just characterising theists in such a childish why yeah, he, yeah. he just he just left feeling really sort of bit angry and uncomfortable with it all yeah. because it's just thought, no one believes that it's no. just you're setting up this straw god to ridicule yeah. that most christians don't believe in anyway anyway thank you very much peter on. okay this is from ian uh, dear joe and nick thank you for your podcast and for a weekly dose of it's not just you <laughs> i enjoyed question mark wrong word your podcast on death as a pediatrician i've seen and been involved in my fair share and I wanted to pick up on something one of your correspondents said and your reply. He said that death was not part of God's plan and you quite correctly pointed out that without death, evolution doesn't happen. You did this very lightly and kindly, but I want to explore it further because I think this is pivotal. If the mid-faith crisis is to mean anything, for me it has to all be about allowing myself to stop pretending. Whether it's hymns we don't believe, I loved your analogy of singing with your fingers crossed, <laughs> or, at or attitudes to gender, sexuality, other religions or whatever. With you, I've found a place where I no longer have to pretend, I no longer have to square circles and do mental theological gymnastics. I'm tired of the game, and to be honest, it's too important. I'm a scientist, and I can't leave my brain at the door when I talk about God. Amen. So evolution must be true. There is abundant evidence to that effect. 
If I am to also believe in God and God's creation, then I have to believe that God created the universe to evolve and grow and change, and therefore it's inescapably true in my mind that death, decay, disease, entropy, chaos and destruction of the old is God's plan. Mm. It just has to be, otherwise we wouldn't be here having this conversation. And, by the way, the science that proves this to be the case is the same science that allows me to send this email, so I can't have the bits of science I like. (laughs) And either I'm not sending this email and evolution isn't basically true, or I am sending this email and evolution is basically true. Anyway, a few years ago I was doing what I tell my kids not to do and was rocking my chair back. I put the legs down and one leg went onto my dog's paw. He yelped in agony. I jumped up, checked he was okay, said sorry, made a fuss of him, and we all got on with our lives. What occurred to me is that the difference between him and me is I would have read meaning into the event. I would have been aggrieved, cross. I would have expected things to be done in return. I might have held a grudge, turned it into a family story. I might have insisted in new unsociable chairs or put in place a rule to prevent it ever happening again, started a national campaign or designed poor sensors for undersurface of chair legs. (laughs) Probably not, but you get my point. I give meaning to events, look back Mm. and look forward. I infer and plan and dream and aspire. He doesn't. He's a dog. He's not human. And so I wonder, what if the fall was about us learning these skills that at that pivotal period in history moved us away from all other species? Death, disease, etc. was always there because death and resurrection, growth, transformation and change are God's plan. The fall was the two-edged sword of learning to learn. We realised we were naked metaphorically, Mm. and through that realisation of our own weakness and magnificence, we evolved into something the like of which the world has never seen. And with that came the pain that is total pain, the spiritual Mm. pain that comes with the death of a loved one, the physical crushing of the soul that comes when we're disappointed, let down, injured, restrained, divorced, fired. And if this is true, then this is the pivot around which your podcast swivels. Because we can come to terms with our own experience but understand that our attachment to the need to explain and understand and rationalise and justify will always make us more than a dog with a sore paw, because that sore paw will always somehow need to mean more than the episode itself. Mm. I don't know if this is true or not, but it feels true to me, and so I thought I'd share. Wow. (laughs) That is absolutely brilliantly written. Ian, thank you so much. And not just for what you said, but the spirit in which he said it. I really appreciate it. He said, oh, I'm not sure if this is true, but this is where I'm at at the moment. And and I just want to echo so much of what you said there, Ian. That's that's pretty much where I've got to with this. And like you, I don't want science and faith to be in opposition anymore. I can't be doing that. We're partners um, seeking out truth. And I don't think either should be afraid of the other, really. So... I thought that was a really helpful email. It's brilliant. It reminds me of a podcast I was listening to this week or a series from the BBC on the relationship between religion and science. Mm. It's a brilliant series. I'll put a link up in the website. I can't for the life of me remember the name of it right now, but um, I'll try and edit it in later on in an unobtrusive way. I'll do it right here, right now. Hello. Later Nick here. Just letting you know, the series was called The Secret History of Science and Religion. The Secret History of Science and Religion. Thank you. Now back to the podcast. There we go. So that was what it was called. That was what it was called. And um, I think it was Steve Jones, the biogeneticist or bio... He's some kind of... He's a a big wig in in the whole world of Mm. stuff, science. Yes. 
Well, you're, and you're he was saying one describing of the things, this well. <laughs> now he was saying he said this thing. One of the things that makes humans unique is we can imagine the future. Yeah. We can project into the future. We can we can you know we can predict. We can have our imagination. We don't see yeah. really animals doing that. We don't know if they don't do it, but it's pretty unlikely. They don't keep their history and they don't project into yeah. the future. And I thought that is absolutely it. That is that is what we do and. I've said this before, I think, on the podcast. You know, it's often said that humans are, are tool-making animals, but actually lots of animals make tools. I think what well, humans are are pattern-making animals. We, we look for mm. patterns. We look for mm. sequences, and, and we look for meaning. And, you know, I just think there is meaning to be found. Sure. So yeah. great. There's email. a meta-narrative. We believe in it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so this one's from Paul and Sarah. Uh, so they say this as two of the seven listeners to your mid-faith crisis podcast mm. we thank you for your continued thoughtful and insightful discussions none less so than your episode 90 making friends with death we experienced the unimaginable when our active eight-year-old son joshua was suddenly diagnosed with a brain tumor and died 21 days later during those days everything within us fought and cried out for his healing However, facing reality, we made the heartbreaking decision to make friends with death and surrender his life to God. As parents, this was the last thing we wanted to do. But after we did, an amazing peace came and a sense that he had been given rather than taken. The next day he died peacefully. Surrender is paradoxical and a mystery. Humanly speaking, letting go is the hardest thing to do, and yet when we did, the presence of God was tangible to us and everyone else who came to our home. Of course Jesus surrendered himself to death, yet knowing he could have the support of twelve legions of angels. As we continue to journey, we have discovered more mystery to our faith. Put aside all those unanswered questions and focus on the reality of our hope, a certain hope of reunion, hugs and kisses, no more tears and separation. And that's from Paul and Sarah. Thank you so much. I don't know what to say. I, I don't think I can really talk about that. No, no, sorry. <laughs> but Paul and Sarah, thank you so much for, for writing in. And this is, mm. you know, this is sacred stuff. And I think mm. for me as well, when you are going through a crisis, to hear something like this of something so real and so profound actually mm. does us good. So thank you for writing that in. And I hope in a weird way that has brought some hope to some of our listeners. So I'm thank sure you it has. So much. Sure so that's it has. why we've yeah. read it out. OK. And this one is from, well, I suppose I should declare that I know this Nick. I think probably number wise, he's probably Nick 38 or 30, 39. I don't know. Mm. We, we have a lot of Nicks. There's a lot know. of us. Yes. Yeah. And um, anyway, so so Nick... Um, who is just a lovely man. Let me just start by saying that, says this. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> not you. Thank you on behalf of all Nicks. <laughs> Dear Joe and Nick, thank you for dealing with such a difficult topic a few weeks back on death. My story is that I lost my four-year-old son Joshua 19 years ago to an aggressive brain tumour. At the time, I was a minister in a local church. He fought the battle for one year, and during that time, we did what any parent would do. We had faith that could move mountains. I can tell you that whilst I've fallen out of love with church, back then the community within it were simply amazing and supported us, always going the extra mile. On a personal level, after his death, all I could do was turn up to church. 
I don't need to spell out the questions I had following his death and the turmoil of being one of the leaders in the church. The day we buried Josh, I turned my grief to writing, which a friend encouraged me to do and to put up a blog. And we've got the address of the blog mm. website, which we'll, we'll put on our website. Here I spent hours through tears, pouring out my life through this horrible experience. One of the most helpful books I read was C.S. Lewis's book, A Grief Observed. In his second book on suffering, he poured out his true experience of watching his wife struggle and eventually die of bone marrow cancer. There is so much I could say here, but a turning point for me was when I read a phrase from a book, Philip Yancey, who was quoting John Donne. And when faced with doubts, to review my alternatives, if for whatever reason I refuse to trust God, what then can I trust? I, as my journal describes, had many thoughts on this so-called all-powerful God, but Don's simple yet profound words, which even though doesn't offer much theologically and came out of a deeply painful personal experience, resonated something deep inside me. I have once physically walked through an old train tunnel with no light at either end, a very dark and scary place. And having been there in my own grief, when I eventually found the light at the end, I came out a very different person. I had more questions than answers, more doubt than faith, and more comfortable with both and the mystery of God. Yancey's words rang true back then as they do now. Those who have known pain profoundly are the ones most wary of uttering the clichés about suffering. Experience with the mystery takes one beyond the realm of ideas and produces finally a muteness or at least a reticence to express in words the solace that can only be expressed by an attitude of union with the sufferer. You will find, for those of us who have suffered such loss of a child, something no parent should go through, are indeed reticent to offer up many words on the subject of grief because the experience will, and indeed can, break you. Today though, 19 years on, life has evolved, hope has returned and life has moved on but grief remains, a smaller part of my being but something that drives me on through the mystery of life, faith and God. From Nick. Thank you. I just, uh, I don't, I don't think we can talk about this. But I'm sorry, folks, we're just not in the right place. But I do just want to pick up on that point that he says right at the end of that that grief remains, and he says a smaller part mm. of my being. And I think that's that's the thing that I've reflected on over this whole period we've been talking about death, and and it has been, uh, it's been. I have found it exceptionally helpful, and I found the emails just amazing, uh, including Nick's just then, but. This point is you don't get over grief. I don't, I don't. It's not like this cold that I've got at the moment. I'm going to get over this cold and I'm going to be better. And I'm going to be mm. well and it's going to. And soon I'll have forgotten what it was like to have a cold. I'll just be back to, you know, so-called normal. But grief isn't like that. G grief actually becomes a part of you, and that's why perhaps that first podcast we did on it was well titled "Becoming Friends with Grief" because you can either make it the enemy. And you, and therefore you're always suppressing it or you're always fighting against it or you're always avoiding it or somehow you allow it to become a part of you and that reduces its power, mm. you know, and I, you know, I've, I've seen Nick, you know, on, on Josh's birthday and I know he goes to the grave and, you know, I've seen the impact of that and I'm really touched. It says he's moved on, but I also see that grief is a part of him mm. now. 
Mm. And he has, in a way, I don't know whether he'd say he's made friends of it, but I've, I've, I've observed it in him. And, you know, I only got to know Nick a few years after Josh had gone. So some of his grief work was done, but some of it goes on. Mm. And I'm sure that's true for, you know, for Paul and Sarah as well. You know, it, mm. it becomes a part of you. And somehow we've got to move past all the cliches and the, you know, the trite thoughts and just say, this stuff is now a part of me and I'm learning to be OK with it. And mm. perhaps we can offer that to each other as mm. well. So that's when faith ceases to be the happy clappy thing, but actually a far more gutsy trust, uh, which, again, that email alluded to. So thank you for that, Nick. I think what's really struck me over the last few weeks is is really the hope. Yeah. You know, there's the, there's the darkness and there's the pain and there's the reality, but there's also been quite a, a load of hope in people's emails yeah. and, and solace. And it seems to me that these really mm. powerful events in our lives just always sort of move us towards silence in a way, towards just sitting mm. with it and just sitting with each other and to learn yeah. how to do that may be one of the key works of the second half of your uh, faith life to just yes. learn to sit with people yeah. um, but I, I, I take solace in the fact that so many of the emails have ultimately been about hope yeah and you know again from Paul and Sarah they said a certain hope yes. of reunion and I know we've pontificated yes. about what that might look like yeah. and what that mean and is that is that actual physical or is it just spiritual it doesn't don't know that really matters like you say, what the hope is, is of union mm. and reunion. Um, that we do agree on. I don't know what else to say, but, you know, I, f I feel we need to sort of round it off for now. I've got a feeling we're going to come back to this again and again. I suspect um, so. I think we need to. Um, yeah, so what we're going to do is we're going to actually take a little break. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're going to be back in a few weeks' time. I'm not sure when, but we'll be back in the run-up to Christmas, certainly. Well, I like to think we're going to be back with an Advent series. An Advent series where I should be playing Scrooge. Yes. And you will be playing the ghost of Christmas all out. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Can I be some painfully cheerful Dickens character? God bless us all. But yes, <laughs> Tiny Tim. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We should uh, do the Mid-Faith Crisis Christmas Carol at some point, and maybe we <laughs> yes, will. Uh, so thank you ever so much for listening. Thank you so much for contributing. Yeah, thank um, you. Do keep the emails coming, and uh, we'll be back with you in a couple of weeks' time. Absolutely. Cheers. Cheers.